Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Several years ago, there was a, a television show called 24. I don't know if you ever, any of you saw that show. It starred Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer, who worked for the counterterrorism unit, and, and it had them rushing all over the place trying to solve problems. There was some kind of imminent threat to the nation with terrorists, and, and so they would be rushing around. And, and one of the interesting parts of that is that this particular CTU was located in Los Angeles, California, one of the things it's notorious for is its, is its traffic. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it caused some commentators to wonder about the things that they do. Said, well, the show was set up in 24-hour in segments. All these things happen in a day, and every episode was an hour in real time in terms of what was happening. And so all these things are solved in one day. And, and uh, I, I saw one cartoonist at one point. He, he had this picture, and, and there's Jack Bauer in a car on the Santa Monica freeway. And, and, uh, and the caption says, Jack Bauer was stuck on the Santa Monica freeway today. The plot did not advance at all. <laughs> he was stuck. <laughs> he, he had to wait. We started looking at... Uh, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And, and the, the thing we looked at last week was as the disciples were hanging out together, having watched Jesus ascend to heaven, uh, uh, he had just told them to, to wait and to pray. And, and two people in white clothing came up and says, what are you looking at? Uh, this Jesus will come the same way he left. And, and so why don't you just get on with what you're supposed to do? Which, as Jesus said, to wait and to pray. And so they, they went from that spot and they did what they can do. And it, sometimes waiting, well, that's not easy to do, is it? Uh, being stuck maybe in traffic is maybe symbolic of that on some level. But uh, we want to be people of action. If there's something that has to be done, let's, let's just get her done. Let's, let's begin doing what we're doing. And being told to wait is, is difficult. But sometimes that's the message that we have. And so uh, as we continue the story in, in Acts chapter 1, how do they react to what's next here? If you have your Bibles, we'll be in uh, Acts chapter 1 starting in verse 12. Uh, as we continue to pick up this story of the apostles taking up after Jesus had been raised and ascended into heaven. Verse 12, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days... Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. 
Then there's a parenthetical comments about Judas. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language a keldama, that is the field of blood. And then Jesus can, or Peter continues, For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there no one be to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection." So they, dom- so they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Well, if you're reading in your scriptures, you see that chapter 2 is, well, that's right next. This thing that they were called to wait and to pray for, we're about to get there. But we're not there yet. Because some things are transpiring here as well. They go back to the room, they go back to Jerusalem, and they're gathered there. The 11 apostles, along with several women and 120 others, including Jesus' brother and his mother, and, and all that, they're gathered in it. And what does it say that they're doing? They're praying because that's what Jesus told them to do, to gather, to pray, and to, to, to come before him. And it says they were constantly in prayer. Uh, does that mean that there was someone praying at all times? Uh, possibly, but it, it has this sense that, that prayer was what was orienting them and their time together. Uh, they were talking to God, saying, direct us in what's to do. Uh, you've promised to send us this spirit. We don't know what that looks like. You've talked about in the passage before this, it says you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and it's like, okay, whatever that means. We know what baptism in the water means. What does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? They have no clue. Lord, show us what that's going to look like. And as they wait and they pray, uh, they would gather for prayer and and sometimes praying seems like, well, not doing anything. <laughs> uh, uh, something's happening, and they say, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. And, and uh, you know, well, thank you. That doesn't put any food on my table, but yeah, thanks for the prayer. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's doing something. But what scriptures indicate to us is prayer is this vital thing that that orients us as the people of God to, to, to what is really important and who is actually in charge. Uh, Ahith Fernando uh, talks about persistent prayer being a vital thing in terms of the, the community of faith, that, that it is coming to prayer consistently changes things. J. Edwin Orr uh, quotes, who is a revival historian, Writes, no great spiritual awakening has begun anywhere in the world apart from united prayer. Um, Fernando, in his commentary, quotes extensively from uh, Wesley Duell's book, uh, Revival Fire. And and part of the description of that is, uh, he writes in 1857, a quiet 46-year-old businessman, Jeremiah Lamphere, 
felt led to start a noontime weekly prayer meeting in New York City in which business people could meet for prayer. Anyone could attend for a few minutes or for the entire hour. On the first day, Lamphere prayed alone <laughs> for half an hour. But by the end of the hour, six men from at least four different denominational backgrounds had joined him. Twenty came the next day and forty the week after. Soon they decided to meet to pray daily, and the group swelled to over 100. Pastors who came started morning prayer meetings in their own churches. Soon similar meetings were happening all over America. Within six months, there were more than 10,000 meetings daily in, in New York City alone. This was the start of what is now termed as the Great Awakening in North America. It's estimated that in a two-year period between 1857 to 1859, Two million people were led to Christ out of a population of 30 million. The movement, the importance of prayer, uh, vital for the community of faith. To be talking and relying and depending on God. And so as the, as the, the men and the women gather after Jesus' ascension to pray, they're just not biding time. They're doing the important work that needs to happen in our hearts and our souls and bringing ourselves and our reliance upon God, calling upon Him to do His work, because ultimately, that's what we rely on. It is His muscles, His power, it is His might. It is focusing on Him. Jim Cimbala in his Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, Church in New York City uh, prayed, and they began a prayer ministry similar to this, and, and through the work of prayer, began reaching into people's lives as God's Spirit was moving and working. And, and that's what they're praying for. God, do your work in us. And so the first step is they regather in prayer, remembering what it is that they're called to do. But then in their midst, uh, uh, Peter gets up. They've been praying, and, and he begins to talk about, well, some things that they got to deal with, right? So there's, there's kind of a, an elephant in the room. I mean, as they list the people, the, the, the apostles that are there, you can count up to 11. And there had been 12. And as, uh, as he revisits the obvious but uncomfortable, um, Judas is not with us. He is gone. And... and there's 120 others there, but there's 12 that have been chosen. And, and part of the choosing of the 12 by Jesus was, was, was representative of, some, of something larger than just their gathering. That as Jesus was coming to talk about God's kingdom and, and how God's kingdom was, was calling people back to itself, the 12 represented Israel, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel and and. And as they looked at where they're at with 11, that representation has been diminished. We need to find someone else. But he speaks a bit of Judas, and there's reflections. And, and they don't, well, they don't shy away in almost too gory detail of what happens to Judas. Uh, it almost makes your, your stomach turn to, to see how he's described, but... Uh, what, what I find fascinating, he, he was, in verse 17, he was one of our number and shared in our ministry. 
For three years, there was those who followed Jesus, but there was the twelve. And Judas was one of the twelve, and he was entrusted with the money. And, and there was no indication, was it he going to be the one? When, when Jesus says to his disciples, one of you is going to betray me, the scriptures talk about how several of the disciples say to him, it's not me, is it? Lord, it's not I. And, and, and even Judas does that, probably knowing that is himself and maybe just to, to fit along with the others. But, but that the others were asking, it's not me, is it? What a question to ask of yourselves. Well, certainly Peter says, it is never me. It could never be me. I'm never going to do it. Uh, to which Jesus, yeah, you will. Uh, but, but this betrayal, is it I? The seeds of the possibility of all of us being disobedient and, and even rebelling. There's a question here. Judas, as he reflects upon the deed having been done and thought, thinking about it in, in Matthew 27, he's thinking, I have sinned. I have sinned and I have turned over an innocent man. Uh, he did something wrong, and he knew he did something wrong. Certainly he was guided and tempted and directed by Satan to, to be part of this. And, and Peter, as he reflects on the Scripture, is saying this was part of God's plan. It was always intended that, that the, the Messiah would be betrayed and, and so that all these events could take place, things that they didn't understand from the, the Scriptures previously. That, that there was this scapegoat, there's this can be this one, despite what it says in Isaiah, that he, uh, we like sheep are gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what is this going to look like? Because when they thought about Messiah, they thought about triumph, not death. That's not how it works. But this Messiah, this Savior, goes through death. But that wasn't the end of it. Because he rose again. And he spent time with them over the next 40 days talking about what was going to happen and what the kingdom of God is still about. And, and right before he ascends to heaven, right before their very eyes, he says, something's going to happen. Wait for this spirit to come to you. And then you will be my witnesses. And so Peter takes up this task and call that that they are gathered together to be the witnesses. And so in the place of the missing spots by Judas, someone needs to take the place. We've lost him, but we still have to then refocus on the mission. What is the mission that ha God has before us? And, and, and the mission uh, is to be the witness to be the witness of what? Of the resurrection. The point of all this is that these guys have seen Jesus from the beginning. And so when choosing someone to take Judas's place, it's got to be someone who's seen it every step of the way. They were there when Jesus was baptized by John and they walk all the way through. Even to these last moments when we saw Jesus ascend to heaven, they have to have seen all of this. Why? Because our job is to witness to the resurrection because the resurrection of our Lord Jesus is vital for everything that we are understanding about what the life of faith is. 
Jesus died and rose again as a Savior, as a payment for us so that we can be reconciled to God. This is vital. Do not lose sight of what God is doing here because it is his work. He is doing a spiritual work within our midst. But we are to witness to that. What is a witness? A, a witness says what they've seen, right? In, in, a, in the law courts, a, a witness is called to say, what, if, what do you know about this? If there's something about medicine that's being described, they call an expert in medicine. Uh, they wouldn't call me for that. I, I, I've had several knee surgeries, and I can speak uh, somewhat about the, the, the workings of the knees and the procedures that, that I've done, but they wouldn't ask me about that. I've just been a patient, someone who's studied this and done several knee operations if they were talking about it. They're the person they would consult because they know something. Who knows anything about the resurrection? Those who have seen it. And for everyone who says, I don't believe it's the witnesses say, I saw it. I was with him. And not only was I with him, I didn't think he was going to be risen again. It's a great story in Luke 24 about the, the two disciples and, and the, they encountered Jesus and, and they're like, yeah, we thought he was going to be the one, but then he died and they're headed home. That wasn't their expectation, but then he rose again and so now I saw it. That is their task. And that is the mission that's in front of them. Uh, this is what's before us even today. Not that we can witness to having seen Jesus raised from the dead, but we have seen the work that he does in our lives. You who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, who God has transformed and changed, who moved you from a, a life of, of sinfulness and self-centeredness towards orienting yourselves to God, to come to places like this where we worship God, we have a message and a story ourselves of what God has done. And, and we orient ourselves to who He is through the Scriptures, through the testimony of these men and their actions, and the things that they observed. That's why we have Scripture, this ongoing witness to us about what God has done and the impact that that makes. Last time I preached this passage, other than last night, uh, I, was, uh, I was at a church in, in Gothenburg, Nebraska. I I, it, was, it, was, it was a strange setting on some level. I, I had been asked to speak there several months before, uh, just out of the blue. I was working at a, a homeless shelter at the time, and they needed someone for Sunday. It was a Thursday, and I said, can you come, and can you preach on Galatians? And, yeah, sure I can. And, and so Bailey and I drove 70 miles west to Gothenburg, and, and, uh, and so I'm just, we're there before the service. The worship team's practicing, and... and uh, they finished, and I asked the worship director, so uh, where's, where, where, where's pastor this week? Is he uh, is that vacation or, or conference? And, and he's like, oh, no, he resigned on Thursday. Hello. <laughs> what? Did, did they not tell you that? No, nobody mentioned the fact that the pastor just resigned here. And, and, and so I, 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 I chased out their associate pastor. He's like, hey, 
your pastor is like, do you, I don't need to be here. If you have family stuff, you need, you, and he's like, you know, we, we actually, we actually wanted to, to, to make sure we still had the word today. And, and he, the, some of the backstory was, uh, he, there was issues in his life, so much so that uh, his wife had discovered things that he had been doing and, and really felt like she couldn't sit under his teaching and was traveling 70 miles to Kearney to go to church and was not part of the church. And he says, you got to figure out what's going on in your life. And so they gave him the week off, and that's, so that's where I fit in. But after they called me, he resigned. And, and so that's the mix I was in. And, and so much later, uh, they said, hey, as we go through this time, would you just speak to us? And would you speak to us through the book of Acts? And, and so uh, as I approached them, that they were facing similar things to, to this group in in the first chapter of Acts. They had faced their own losses. They had faced their own confusion. Where do we go from here? What is going on? And, and what do we do? And, and one of the things that, with all the things that happen and transpire in our lives, sometimes we just need to be reminded what our focus is. To refocus ourselves on the mission, to begin pulling ourselves back together. And, and as, as we look for leadership and, and we look for direction, to go to the Lord in prayer. This passage begins with them gathering for prayer constantly, asking for the Lord's direction. And as they come to this place, as Peter told them and given them descriptions, these things happen, and, 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 and God used these things to accomplish what he needed to have happen so that Christ could, could both be crucified and resurrected. But now we need to move on. And as we pick someone else, what does it say? They came to the Lord in prayer. They came to him and said, Lord, guide us. Uh, now they took a look amongst those who were among them, and, and, and they chose two men and, and, uh, and said, these guys are both good. They, 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 they're, they're solid guys, and they've been with us from the beginning, and we don't know how to choose between them, so Lord, help us. Who's the one that you want us to choose? And, and so they, they cast lots, which is... Uh, on some level, we would, we would liken it to flipping a coin. Uh, uh, but, but certainly, all of it focused upon God's moving. That as they cast the lots, and, and one would be for a particular one, whether it was Matthias or Justice, obviously the other one not. They were relying and asking God, we need you to be directing us in all this. And I think for us as, as people of faith, there's something instructive in this. Even before we get to the next passage, which is the magnificent coming of the, the Spirit upon them, is to look at what precedes that. Jesus had told them early in chapter 1, wait and pray. And they prayed. And they spent time bringing their lives before God and refocusing on the mission he'd given to them, that he directed them. Because this is for each of us. Our task is to work through the issues in our lives individually, but also as a community of faith, fully recognizing that we're dependent upon God. It's him. And listening to him. Uh, speaking with someone before, a service, and, and she said, you know, what if God's not telling you to wait, but to move ahead? 
Exactly. We have to listen to what God is saying to us because uh, there's just not a template that says, okay, just plug and play if you do this. Uh, but God calls each of us in different ways and different manners into different tasks. And, and yet each of us have been gifted by God. That we are, as Paul says in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship or craftsmanship created in Christ to do good works which God planned in advance. You have a role. You have some part in this great thing that God is doing. What is that? I can't tell you from up here, this is what you need to do. But you do that on your knees and in communicating with others and praying with them. God, what are you calling me to do? We do that as a community, but there's things we just know we need to do. We continue to witness to the resurrection. And while we don't have eyewitnesses here in this room, we have in the Word the testimony of our brothers and sisters before us who saw this and, and put it down. And it's been transmitted to us across the generations to say, this is what we saw. And these are why these are our sacred texts, because they testify to what they saw and what they were led to by God. That orients us to our own calling in this day and age. Let's stand in closing prayer. Father in heaven, we, as we come to these great stories of the things that you you were doing many hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But as we look at them, there's much to see in our brothers and sisters as they wrestled with what it means to continue to follow Jesus in his absence, to come before you and rely on you and to be asking you for the guidance and direction we need. And so, Lord, we ask for help. We ask for wisdom and guidance and discernment that we might be continually faithful in walking with you individually and as a community, but as well to be faithful in the mission you've given to us, to tell people you exist and you love us and you went through the cross. You became man, lived this life, and then died for us but that you rose again. That gives us the confidence. That gives us the heart. That gives us the faith. Because we saw what our brothers and sisters walked through and endured on your behalf, that we, down the line, continue to live out their legacy of faithfulness. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're calling us to on this day, in this week, and if it's to wait for us to wait, and if it's to move, to move. And in all this, we, we put ourselves before you, our Lord. We pray this in the name and the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, 
check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.